Hello and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay, and Chris Stanziel is back. And I'm looking at him right now, and he's well-rested, and he's happy on this Tuesday morning. Why is that, Chris? Why, why, so, why smiling right now? Why am I smiling? It's because busy season is finally over. Yes! <laughs> yes! I am a free man! Yes! I can go back to normal hours, 9 to 5, 9 to 6. I get my weekends back, and I don't have to leave super early for the office on the mornings anymore. And I, I can watch the cats now with, without any restrictions. This, this is great. What a time to be alive. Yes, Chris is a free, free man. This is great. It's good to have you back, Chris. I'm glad that we can do this again. It's an exciting time for State of the Nova Nation. We got our co-host back. Shout out to Kayla Smith, who did a great job filling in for yeah. Chris last week. Chris, we've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of things to talk about today. Oh, I can't wait. What a, what a way to return. And yeah, shout out to Kayla. She, she, she killed it last week. I listened to both episodes while I was at work, and yeah, she did a heck of a job. All right, Chris, we're going to get right to it. All right, let's do it. First off, on Saturday... The Wildcats squared off against Big Five rival St. Joe's at the Pavilion. Jack Brooks, he was there for ViewBenchMob.com, covering his first game live. Shout out to him. We're using the air horn a lot because there's just so much excitement right now. and we got, We've got a good show. We've got a good one coming up. We're, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of fun things today. It's great. You, you know, every, everyone who listens to this podcast knows how much we love the air horn. But when we use it twice in the first two minutes, you, you know it's, it's a hyped episode. The Hawks made it a game at first. You know, I grabbed an early lead. My dad was trolling a little bit. He, he wasn't sure what was going to happen. He was like, oh, the cats are going to blow it, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> that settled in, and they used a 20-4 run to close out the first half. And from there, they just took over. They, it was exactly how you expected it would have ended. Villanova went on to win 88-57 to against the Hawks, who have now lost four straight. They won the Atlantic 10 last year. Once you graduate a few key seniors and your star player, DeAndre Bembry, gets drafted, you're probably going to be in for a rough season the year after. And that's what we're seeing. Chris, what stuck out to you from that game? Hmm. I, I think there's a popular phrase that goes around this time of year, and I think it goes by the hawk is dead. <laughs> I don't think it ever was living when we were in college, but it, it is indeed dead. Nova just absolutely manhandled St. Joe's. And it... it just, just from following the game, I, I didn't get to watch uh, until the very end. But just from following it, like you kind of got a little bit nervous in the beginning, and I could see why your dad was trolling. I mean, anyone would. But they just they settled in, played their game, which you know, just which is what Jay preaches about all the time. Lamar Kimball and Savar Newkirk, the new big boys on the St. Joe squad, they can only do so much. And I'd have to say that the biggest thing from this game was uh, Josh Hart's triple double, dropping sixteen points, grabbing ten boards. 11 dimes. He's just one of nine players this year to have a triple-double and only one of three players in the power conferences to have one. Yes, we are throwing the Big East in there. Get used to it. Villanova is in a power conference. The Big East is a power conference. And I, from the Villanova standpoint, Josh is the first Villanova player to hit a triple-double since Harold Presley did so against Providence in 1986, 30 years ago. And in that 1986 season, that was their that team's first year after winning a national championship. And this is this team's first year after winning a national championship. So a pretty interesting parallel right there. Oh, yeah. The stars are lining. Everything's, everything's coming together again. Six cats scored at least 10 points each. Jenkins had a team high 20. Everyone's benefiting from Hart's passing. You can see that he was really setting everyone up. Mm-hmm. And it was just a great all-around team effort, headlined by Hart's triple-double. Yeah, it is the season of giving, so might as well put up as many po- uh, assists as possible. Oh, yeah. Josh Hart was coming around with a Santa hat on, <laughs> dropping all the gifts for, for all the boys and girls out there. <laughs> God. So while this was happening, there was another game going on about 600 miles away. We mm-hmm. actually would pass this place on our way to Louisville, and um, it's in – it's in the same state, the beautiful state of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there just happened to be a game. And a school from California was just there at Rupp Arena. And there was another school from Kentucky playing. And the school from California just happened to beat this uh, other Wildcat, other 
Kentucky team, 97-92. And it didn't take very long for the news of the once number one ranked Wildcats that they had lost to the UCLA Bruins. And it didn't really take long for that news to reach the pavilion, thanks to all the smartphones, all the news, social media, Twitter, everything. And all of a sudden, the student section starts chanting number one. They start chanting it towards the end. Everyone's getting hyped. They, mm-hmm. You know, with Kentucky gone, like, how else could it go? Like, there was no way that they were going to get yeah. leapfrogged. Like, that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, barring some pollster comp- conspiracy, there was just no way you could not bump Nova up to one. Yeah, there was no way no one was jumping them. Like, it was just not possible. Yeah, no, not at all. I agree. So immediately after the game, Jay Wright was asked about what he thought about being ranked number one. And he was confused at first. He wasn't quite sure what the student section was chanting. But once the Fox Sports reporter told him, he laughed and he said, quote, ah, hell, I don't care. And he said (laughs) with a great smile, how much do you buy Jay Wright's response in regards to potentially being ranked number one and the fact that he does not care. If we weren't ranked number one last year, I, I wouldn't buy it. But I feel like now that we've actually attained that feat for the first time in school history and now coming off the national championship, I have to say I actually buy it. <laughs> you know how much we we make fun of uh, Coach Wright's uh, coach speak, but this is a statement I actually do buy. And kind of like Jay, I, I did not expect them to be number one because I, I was confused as well because, uh, I don't know, this weekend just kind of snuck up on me with terms of all like all the big games. With UCLA playing Kentucky, you had Xavier Baylor on top of some other big ones. And then you saw that UCLA knocked them off, and you're just like, oh, wow, that means we're number one again. I mean, that kind of was just like last year where uh, we beat Providence in Providence, and I forget who was number one at the time, lost. I actually don't. I really don't remember. And you're like, oh, maybe they could be number one. Maybe they're not. But then we got it. But here we are. And this is an awesome feeling. Now, as much as I love to poke fun at coach speak and trained media responses, mm-hmm. robot statements, you press a button, you get an answer. It's like a toy. Yes. I completely buy what Jay Wright is saying. Honestly, when you when you have a national title and you did it without, quote, unquote, being ranked number one, and I think when you look at some of the other programs around, I don't think they care about where their standings are as long as they're in the tournament. Like, that, literally, that's all that matters. Once they're in the tournament, they'll play. Right. Like, you look at, like, a Michigan State, like, they don't need to be number one. Like, you had Tom Izzo take his eight-seeded Bartons all the way to the Final Four a few years back. Mm-hmm. And it also goes back to the whole saying, winners focus on winning while losers focus on other winners. Mm-hmm. They went through it last year. They experienced what it was like to be number one. They had that feeling. They had it for three weeks. And I think now that they had experienced it, it's like, oh, it's whatever. Like, it, I think at this point, it's more for the fans. It's more for, like, the media. It's more for us to talk about and dissect. But to them, I honestly think that when they're in the locker room, they already won a ring without mm-hmm. being number one. I think, you know, at this point, they don't really care. It's just a number to them. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I do agree with you on the fact that it's – I thought it was a good point that it, it's mainly just for us, the fans, the media. You know, just, it's just as a talking point, really. I mean, you see if you go on Facebook or Twitter, all the comments are like, oh, my team should be number one or my team should be top five or why did this team not move up? Why did this team move down? It's, it's more of a conversation driver just to keep college basketball, I guess, relevant throughout the early part of the season because, I mean, to be honest with you, who who wants to be watching some of these games that I've been playing? I mean, this weekend kind of changed that a little bit. But, but yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, there's another thing I've learned, especially with the Nova being ranked number one. With top 25 rankings, there are, like, over 100 schools. I'm wondering why they're not in that exclusive list. Mm-hmm. And then there are 24 people who are unhappy with where they are, and only one person gets to be happy. Yeah, <laughs> and and then usually that's the fan base taking the brunt of the of the criticism. Uh, just just something funny that I actually had texted you about last week. Rutgers received votes last week. I don't know if they did this week. I think they lost, but Rutgers received votes, and that's just how hectic this early part of the season has been. You know what I also realized when looking at the polls? St. Mary's is ranked number eleven. When did they get there? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't realize they were allowed to be good again. I thought they kind of just sold their program soul for that one win against Villanova in 2010. I was literally looking because the one, the first picture I saw just had like all the school's logos. Mm -hmm. I was like, what logo is that? And then I looked up the list and I was like, what is St. Mary's doing at 11? St. Mary's. I don't know. They're there though. (laughs) 
I, I, I don't get it. Who, who have they play? Have they played anyone? You should ask Matthew Delvadova. No, stop. Don't. And and Patty Bill. Okay, stop. I forgot how much I hated that team. Not just when they were in college, but then when they left and went to the pros, they just became even more unbearable. <laughs> well, for Jay Wright and his team, it's no longer probable, as it was released yesterday, as we kind of spoiled a little bit because we're so excited, mm-hmm. because it's all it really is for the media and it really is for the fans. As released on the AP Top 25 polls and the coaches' polls, Villanova is number one in both the AP and the coaches' polls for this week. And at number two, you got UCLA. Number three, you got Kansas. Baylor, number four. And if you look around the rest of the Big East, Creighton is still at 10. Xavier fell out of the top 10 after losing to Baylor. They're now at 13. And Butler moved up a couple spots up to 16. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's expected. I didn't think Xavier was going to take that big of a tumble, especially losing to a top-end team in Baylor. Was that game at Xavier? It was at Baylor. It was at Baylor, and they still took that big of a hit? Mm. That really didn't make that much sense, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. A lot of teams aren't losing this time of the year, so I guess if you lose, you kind of just drop more than you should. And creating a 10, that's that's a real pleasant surprise that they, they're still there. Not that they would have any reason to drop, but I'm just saying you, you didn't really expect that. And, uh, yeah, Butler's hanging around middle of the pack of the AP Top 25, so power conference, baby. Yep, and we still have the most undefeated teams in our conference with three, while the rest of the Power 5 conferences have either two or less. And those three obviously being Nova, Creighton, and Butler. That's So shout-outs to you, Big East. (laughs) Shout-outs to Val and the Big East. So last time Nova was in this position, they held the top spot for three weeks. How long do you think the Wildcats will be able to hold down number one? Well, they got a test this week. Not not so much tonight, but um, they got uh, this weekend. You mean they, not LaSalle? LaSalle won't do it? Big five? We will, we will get to that. <laughs> we will get to this. Um, but, yeah, Notre Dame this weekend. Get hyped. Notre Dame is now ranked, actually. So Yeah, they're whether, 22. 22, I believe. Yeah, so whether the posters did them a little favor, did Nova a little bit of a favor, or just, just because, you know, they're actually number 22 in the nation, we don't know. But uh, – that's nice to see. And then you got Creighton on New Year's Eve. So even if you do get past this week, you got you got some uh, trouble lurking. <laughs> yeah, if you want Nova to go at least four weeks, they're going to have to beat Creighton at Omaha. Like, let's say they get through Notre Dame. There's no way they're going to lose from then in between. Mm-hmm. Temple, American. Uh, what's, what's another one? I'm sure another cupcake. Yeah. I think that's it, actually. Yeah, because that, that would be two games, and I, that would put you into the final week. I, think. I don't know. Maybe we're short a week there. But, but yeah, Creighton on to use Eve. That's a, that's a pretty scary one. Oh, and then you got DePaul. Sorry, you got DePaul before that. <laughs> Ooh, DePaul. It's, it's hard because this Creighton team, I'm hopping on the bandwagon. I think they're so good. Marcus Foster, Mo Watson, I think they're really talented, especially when we're going to the CenturyLink Center at Omaha. Mm-hmm. We got to go one week at a time, one one game at a time, one day at a time, one mm-hmm. week at a time, just like what Jay says. Yeah, I, I I'd have to go with that sentiment. Yeah, just like like when we were number one last year, I think our first game was against the Paul, and then our first home game was against St. John's. So you had basically had a bye week, and then I don't even remember who we played after that. But then I know we lost to Xavier, and that was pretty much it. But I mean, the target's on your back now, as if it wasn't before. Now, now there's actually definitive number to it, so uh, they better be uh, be, they better be ready. Just when you when you're playing the number one team, you're gonna be you're gonna get your best uh, effort from your opponents. Yeah, totally, totally. Especially that Notre Dame game. That's mm-hmm. a old old Big East mercenary foe. Right. Oh yeah, but, forgot um, they were a part of it. Yeah, they were a part of it. I think just for basketball and yeah, probably other sports. Just not football. Just not football. Yeah, yeah, because you know they got to be traditional in that sense. Whatever that means. Whatever that means, exactly. So with the win, I want to bring up a few notable streaks to your attention. Okay. Phil Booth has now missed five straight games with knee tendonitis. Mm-hmm. Villanova made it clear that they won't rush him. Jay Wright has let him take his time. He'll probably miss tonight's game against LaSalle. But do you think he'll also probably miss Saturday's game against the Notre Dame? Yes, actually. I don't think they're going to play him until, uh, until Big East play. I don't know why. I just kind of feel like that's the benchmark that they kind of set for him. I don't know. That that's just what I think. Um, you want to you wouldn't want to bring him back for the LaSalle game, and you wouldn't want to 
throw him into the Notre Dame game because you know, that's a pretty big game. Hasn't played in a while. Not up to game speed. Um, so you don't want to like throw him into the fire there. And then the week after that, maybe you can ease him in against the Paul. So I guess I guess that would be the start of Biggie's play there. So I, I would say that's when he comes back. Well, they still got they still got a couple non conference games left next week. They still have Temple, American, and all right. that. Yeah, which is yeah. I don't think he'll come back for those either. I feel like they can get away with yeah that. Exactly. Like I feel like you wouldn't rush him against a cupcake. Like there's just no need. Like why? Right. Just <laughs> there's really no need to mm-hmm. against an order name. At first, I wanted to say that they would bring him back, even if it's like off the bench, or just like a few minutes here and there. Right. But just kind of like what you said, that makes that makes sense. I mean, even though it's a big game, why? Like yeah. I'm sure Jay Jay's thinking bigger picture, mm-hmm. and there really is no need, especially when what they have right now is working. Right. And so you know, for the team's sake and for Phil's sake, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to rush him back, and then he doesn't play so well. Then, you know, his confidence is kind of shot. Right. His knee's probably not 100 yet, so it's just a lose-lose. Mm-hmm. So I think holding him off for Notre Dame would probably be in his, in his best interest and the team's best interest. Yeah, I agree. He can, he, not, I'm not saying he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but if he comes back and, he, you know, the team starts to struggle a little bit, you kind of start to think, oh, well, Phil's back, so he's the only thing that's different from what's been uh, going well the past few weeks. So then, I don't know, maybe gain some resentment toward him as a team. Then he feels, like you said, he feels hard-pressed to, you know, perform better, and then he can maybe do too much and then hurt himself even more. It's just a slippery slope that you don't really want to deal with. So I'd say just take it easy. Um, I, th- I think that the Paul game would be great to just ease him back into it and be him some garbage time at the end when they're blowing him, inevitably blowing him out. And then uh, hopefully he's back full strength for Creighton. Yeah, I you know, I definitely think, especially when it's like a nagging injury like this, and yeah. he had this problem last year, mm-hmm. I feel like it's definitely best to just take it easy. Right. You know, yeah. Add the pie, wear your suits, wear, <laughs> or wear your warm-up gear. Just enjoy the ride. So the Cats play the 4-2 LaSalle Explorers tonight at the Palestra. Got to feel confident that they get that first win with the number one ranking, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a pretty easy uh, prediction for the win there. Ken Palm has Nova with a 94% chance of winning, which uh, I'm not a betting man, but I would totally <laughs> just put your house on that. <laughs> yes, even though you probably wouldn't be winning much with it, but yes. LaSalle is feeling the effects of his transfers. They've definitely proved this year compared to last year. Last year, God, that was a they were they were dying for that season to be over. They they started out last year with nine scholarship players, and then three injuries happened, so then they're left to just six. <laughs> and it was just it was just not a fun time for anyone involved at over at LaSalle. Yeah, I mean you barely had enough uh scholarships to fill out a whole whole starting lineup. That that is that is awful. But yeah, just B.J. Johnson transferred in from Syracuse. He's helping out Jordan Price, who was basically the only remaining player from the LSL team that was worth mentioning last year. And they're a great scoring tandem, putting up over 18 points per game. Um, Demetrius Henry and our boy, Pookie Powell. Um, Pookie? Pookie. <laughs> um, oh, just, just before I go on, whoever's tweeting about the game uh, tomorrow night, can, can we get a Pookie watch going? Like, I don't care like what the score is or what the game situation is. Just give us frequent updates on Pookie. We want to yeah. know if Pookie's drinking the water. We want to know if Pookie's <laughs> lacing up. We want to know if Pookie's wearing J's. Is he putting on a shooting sleeve? Is he ripping off the shooting sleeve? We want to know everything about Pookie. Yeah, if he's where he's sitting on the bench, if he if he is on the bench. Yeah, just where he's on the court. Just come on. We need, we need a separate Twitter for that, I think. Just Pookie watch. Run by VU Benchmark. So, yeah, just back to my original point. Demetrius Henry transferred from South Carolina and uh, Mr. Pookie Powell from Memphis. Um, they're also contributing to a rotation that has gotten LaSalle four wins so far. But um, early on, it's tough to mesh with all these types of guys from all different programs all coming in at once. So it's it's a tough task, but, you know, you got four wins and you get a real – your biggest test yet against Villanova. So see how that goes. Yeah, it's one thing when, you know – you guys, your guys need to mesh, and you're beating teams like Lehigh, Bucknell. But now, now you got the big boy coming in. Mm-hmm. You got number one Villanova, and I don't think you're meshed by then. I don't, I don't think you're ready yet. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're gonna be ready. 
And just not just that, I mean, there's still just such a talent disparity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you can chalk this one up for Inova, and you can go with Mr. Ken Palms at 94%. We breaking out the Sharpie for this one? Oh, yeah. Come back to me about Notre Dame. We might have a raceable pen. <laughs> all right. All right. I can, I can see that. It, it's definitely something we'll watch tonight. And then next time we'll talk, we'll talk a little more about Notre Dame, but we'll take it one day at a time, just like Jay yeah. said. Yes. We'll also give you Pookie watch updates. Oh, yeah. We, we will let you know if Pookie is, is <laughs> smuggling in some snacks on the sidelines while he's on the bench. Oh, we'll, we'll have it all. All right. <laughs> so with some good news comes some bad news, unfortunately. Yeah, I was afraid we were going to have to actually talk about this. Yeah. As much as we wanted the ride to continue, Villanova football played a hard-fought game against eight-seeded South Dakota State in the second round of the FCS playoffs on Saturday. The Jackrabbits had their star quarterback, Taron Christian, comes into the game with over 3,000 yards, 29 touchdowns, had a pair of 1,000-yard receivers to throw to, all the luxuries. One of the top offenses, they were just stacked from literally every position. They just had talent all over. Mm-hmm. And they were coming in, scoring all those points, moving the ball whenever they wanted to. And then on the other end, you had Villanova and their tough, stalwart defense. Wildcats held their own. They held their own, but despite holding the edge on time of possession, total yards, and first downs, and not turning the ball over, Villanova lost 10-7 to in a nail-biter. Yeah, what a, what a sad way to end the season. Yeah, it came down to a 40-yard field goal by uh, Mr. Adam Vinatieri's nephew, Chase Vinatieri. Shipped the 40-yarder, ricocheted off the goalpost, and threw the upright. And South Dakota led by three with just about a minute and a half to go. Um, and then just Nova's last last drive didn't amount to much. But yeah, they just couldn't get the fourth down conversions, which is something that I uh, just observed. They would get into South Dakota territory, and then everything would just stall. It, it Honestly, it was like watching the Packers. You would gain a little bit of momentum on offense, and then everything would just hit a wall around a certain yard line. For the Packers, it was the red zone, and for Villanova this past weekend, it was kind of around the 30-35, um, just outside. You know, Bernard's in his – did he – this is his third playoff game, correct? Third playoff game he started? Did second. He, play one? he did not – they did not make it last year. That's right. Okay, so, yeah, this is the second game. Uh, played pretty well against a pretty darn good defense in South Dakota. 200, threw for 100, 220 and a touchdown – and just to give you guys an exact number on those fourth down conversions, they were uh, one for four. Not good. Twenty-five percent is not ideal in any facet of life. Uh, yeah, exactly. Especially when you're the underdog and you need those bre- you need those types of uh, breaks to go your way. But yeah, South Dakota, you you saw how well they played and you saw all the stats coming in, and they were the eight seed. That's just absurd as to how good some of these teams were this year. Yeah, definitely. And now South Dakota State will have the fun luxury of playing the five-time defending <laughs> national champion, North Dakota State, at the Fargo Dome. Oh, God. Oh, so, I mean, <laughs> so North Dakota ended up winning this weekend, I, I think. Yeah, yeah, North Dakota won this weekend. But interestingly enough, South Dakota State did beat North Dakota earlier in the season. On the road. So I don't know how they did that. I don't Ooh. think it's going to happen again. I'm pretty sure if you're in North Dakota State, you're in the playoffs, you don't let that happen again. Yeah, I bet you they they actually kind of hoped that this would happen again because I think they know that they can just kick their butt. <laughs> Especially <laughs> this type of rivalry in the playoffs at at the Fargo Dome. It's, it's No, it's not a pretty sight. It just really was such a shame. I mean, you, you know, with Andy Tyler's last year, you definitely wanted them to go further. Even at least they would have a shot against North Dakota State. Right. And then who knows? Who knows what could have happened? They could have came in to North Dakota and completely stunned them. Right. Yeah, you never know. I always wanted to see Villanova play North Dakota when we were there. Me and Patrick always just yeah. talk about that. But just just one shot. I think when we – in our junior year when we lost to – was it Sam Houston State? I don't – Yes. Yeah, that if we had won, we would have gone to the Fargo Dome. Honestly, this game was a lot closer than I expected. When I saw the numbers and I saw what South Dakota State was doing to opposing teams, I was pretty scared. But mm-hmm. Villanova, their defense really came through again. Yeah. And they really they really took it to them. Unfortunately, that ball did not bounce their way, and it fell right through the uprights instead of bouncing out. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a pretty big shame. But, yeah, like you said, Nova's defense this year, holy hell, they were good. 
It was probably the best in the past five years, I'd say. They they were good. <laughs> yeah, they were able to carry them for some games too. Tannel Capacinon, Ed Chopley, Austin Colitra, mm-hmm. Rob Roll. You know, there's just from literally the front seven to the secondary, they had a pretty good court going. Yeah. Imagine this defense with that twenty fourteen offense led by Robertson and you know, the big boys there. Not taking any way away from Bernardzik, you know, he brings some good things to the table, but the stuff that that 2014 team was able to produce was pretty nuts. Yeah, that was that was a really fun year to watch them. That was yeah. a real fun year. Yeah, I mean, they had a good defense then too, what I'm saying. Like, this defense with that offense, that you'd probably be singing a different tune this weekend. So, Nova finishes the year 9-4. and four. Andy Talley, with the, with the loss, signals the end of Andy Talley's coaching career. Mm-hmm. He ends it with 258 wins. 230 of those came during his time at Nova. Over his 32 years as the Wildcats head coach, to you, what's his lasting legacy? Um. Well, I think I'm just going to sum it up in this this one graphic I saw today. Um, 12 playoff appearances, a national title, produced three Walter Payton Award winners, which is the Heisman equivalent. Uh, 15 first team All Americans, 200 plus All Conference players, and a two time National Coach of the Year. And before he officially well, now that he's officially retired, he he's had the most wins out of all active FBS and FCS coaches. And I think probably, you know, say what you will about him on the field, but off the field, he was probably just as good as a person, and if not better. He founded the Be, Be the Match uh, Foundation in 1992, and he's helped find 52,000. <laughs> that's a remarkable number. 52,000 potential bone marrow donors across 50 universities. So a philanthropist off it, a fantastic and Hall of Fame coach on it on the field. It what a life, what a, what a career. Yeah, he was definitely one of those coaches that you could tell that he not only cared about the wins and the losses, but you could tell that he also cared about how his players were off the field and then also later in life after football. Mm-hmm. And I think you know when you talk to a lot of those former players, you can tell that he's definitely had an impact on their lives in shaping them into what they've become today. Right. And while, like you said, it's definitely great what he did on the field as a coach, as the master strategist behind pulling, pulling all the stops, the puppet master or whatever. Mm-hmm. He was definitely great off the field. He was great. He's a great guy to talk to. He's always, you know, he's a very genuine, very happy guy. Mm-hmm. Always looking to help in any way that he can. Even if he barely knows you, he's <laughs> he's excited to know who you are, what your deal is, and how he can help you in some way, shape, or form. But also just saving lives. And you know what? You see his football players, he gets his football team involved. They're donating bone marrow to people who really need it. Matt Caesar was the most famous one we could think of. Right. And I think, you know, it's great. It's great to see a coach who's not only involved, obviously, on the field, but off the field. And I think Andy Talley definitely has set a very high standard for how head coaches are, you know, at Nova. Mm-hmm. And he's also been a mentor to Jay. Jay's, Jay's given him some props, too. Yes, he has. So yes. I think Andy Talley, although his football team and his football program might have taken the back burner to the basketball, I think now that once he's retired... The athletic center was definitely a step in the right direction, but I think he's going to finally get a lot of props and get a lot of love from Nova Nation. Yeah, I, I hope it's that sooner rather than later because he he is the godfather of this program. Yeah, built it up from nothing. Yeah, literal high school teams would come in and probably beat this team when it was first formed, and he's just taking it and running with it. It's unbelievable. Now, he'll still be around for a year or two in an administrative role. He's going to be helping out AD Mark Jackson. Mm-hmm. But this is the end of his coaching career. Wildcats didn't look too far to get the, his replacement, selecting his longtime right-hand man, Mark Ferranti. How hyped can we get on him? Well, doing some research. Uh, he was the 2015 AFCA assistant coach of the year, which I don't know, but I, I just find that award funny because I didn't know they gave out assistant coach of the year awards. Yeah, I don't. how would you even <laughs> pick that? Like, I don't know how it works. I, I, how? Yeah, exactly. How, how do you determine who's a good assistant coach? Like, if you yeah. want to say – coordinator i guess you can make an argument for specific ones but just general coach i I don't know whatever completely arbitrary but he won it so props to him something to add to this trophy case he played quarterback at st lawrence where uh, tally was actually coaching 
at the time. So he definitely obviously knew him from that. And then after Ferranti graduated, he joined Tally in the uh, infant years of the program back in 1983. Um, took another job, a few other gigs, and then he uh, came back to Nova full-time in 1987. Yeah, if there's anyone who knows Tally, it's definitely this guy. Mm-hmm. Knows definitely Tally inside and out, knows the whole program inside and out. He's been here just as long as he has. I don't think they could have gone with a better guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the stuff that they'll be using will be the same. So it's a really smooth transition for all the players and all the incoming recruits. So that's also a plus. Yeah. And I don't know if you were there when we talked to him last year or we had him on, but he tells it like it is. He loves, he's just like that. Loves to tell it like it is, except he's a little harsher. You know, he coaches the old line. He, you got to be, you got to be tough on the line. Yeah. I think they appreciate it. <laughs> Todd, you know, he's a fair coach and a lot of people like him. So I think Nova definitely made the right call in going to Ferranti. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. It's definitely going to be weird not seeing Tally next year. But he'll still be around, which is nice. But, you know, this is all Coach Ferrandi's now. You can only get excited and you can only get behind him. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not like this program was, like, in shambles and, like, we needed Tally out of here and we needed a new coach. So, like, getting a guy who's similar to Tally is a great idea. Like, if this team was bad and you might be like, all right, we, maybe it's time for a new voice, like a new philosophy. Yeah, this is this is a good hire. I'm, I'm on board with it. Um, so wish him the best of luck, and hopefully he can bring just as much success as Tally did. So we got the good news. We got the bad news. Thankfully, there's news. no ugly news. No oh, ugly thank news. Thank God. <laughs> no ugly news. No ugly news here. Okay. But I got some more for you. Okay. Women's basketball t- also took on St. Joe's on Saturday in Big Five action. The Wildcats have been in a lot of close games this year. This one was no different. It was shaping up to be another one. The game was tied going into the fourth quarter until Nova was able to use a big run at the start to pull away from the Hawks and win 62-54. to Yep. Cats are now 2-0 in the Big Five play. And once again, Alex Lewin leading the way, 26 points. Another big day for her. And then Megan Quinn dropping 15 and then eight boards as well. Yeah. And now, fast forward to yesterday, the Wildcats went up against Lehigh at the Pavilion. And it was, just like all the other ones, pretty tight going in. Once again, Nova had a narrow five-point lead going into the fourth. But then this time around, they really blew it open, outscoring their opponents 19-2 to in the fourth quarter. And that is all she wrote as Villanova won 59-37 to against the Mountain Hawks at the Pavilion to improve to 4-4. Four and four. Chris, uh-huh. what stuck out to you from the game? Uh, the fact that Lehigh scored only two points in the fourth quarter and seven in the second. That – that is bad. I, I mean, I, I'm sure Villanova's defense contributed to that, but I don't, I don't know how bad Lehigh is. I mean, the record suggests it's, it's not that bad, 5-4, but just nine points in two of the four, in half of the quarters, that, that, that's a problem. That, that is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> All I got to say is if during a 10-point stretch you only get one basket, the likelihood of you winning a game is definitely very, very low. <laughs> yes. Just the sheer numbers of it. Um, just on a more statistical standpoint, um, individually, uh, Alex Lewin um, didn't have her best game. 3 of 13 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3, uh, finishing with uh, just 7 points. Uh, Megan Quinn uh, led Villanova with um, 14 points, 6 of 10 shooting. From the floor, one of three from deep, and Janah Tucker um, having another nice little game by her own. Uh, four of ten from the field, two of six from deep, total of ten. It's definitely good for Nova to finally get these wins going their way, especially when, you know, in three of those losses, barring the game against the number 10 Mississippi State, they were literally just like a basket away or like a possession that maybe if it rolled out of bounds or on the other team or if it was like they had the ball one more time, they could have made a difference. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see them start to string along these wins because those those really close losses definitely crush your morale. It's good to see them kind of bounce back from all that. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Um, Villanova led the whole way too, so that's definitely a confidence builder. 
Definitely. Definitely. Next up for the Wildcats is a Saturday matchup against Big Five rival Temple at 1 p.m. at the Pavilion. We'll be keeping an eye on that on top of a number of other things going on this weekend. And we'll see how the Lady Cats do. The men's women's track and field teams began the indoor season at the Jack Pyra Invitational right down the road at Haverford College. They've been going there a lot. They've been, it's, it's, it's a fun place for them. Yeah, I, we, we've been mentioning it quite a few times in these past few episodes. Yeah, the Haverford Fords. They got the Black Squirrel mascot. Right. Both the men's and women's team won this last year. However, this time around, there was no overall team scoring, but it didn't stop the Cats from shining. Men's team had competed in eight events and had nine individual finishes in the top three, while the women's team had nine first-place finishes in 12 events. Why, why, why is there no overall team scoring? They just decided to change it up this Do year. Do we not like winners and losers anymore? Does everyone get a trophy now? Is that where we're going with this? Well, unfortunately not, because there was a first-place finisher. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a way to make the, all the other local schools feel good about themselves. Because when you looked at the list, there were a number of local schools, some of them ranging from, obviously, like a big D1 school or mm-hmm. bigger D1 school like Villanova. And then you got this, like, local dinky college in the mix. Oh. So I think it was to make everyone feel good about themselves. They keep it all strictly individual. What can you do on an individual merit? <laughs> Okay, that's all right. I, I guess I can see your point. I don't know. There, there was also <laughs> even like a track club, and I was like looking at this. I forgot what the name was, but it was literally called the something something track club. And I was like, "What is is this a real team? Like, is this semi pro? <laughs> like, what is this?" <laughs> they just let anyone and any anyone in. Gotta go let a middle school join them for all I care. See where they're at. Like, they could have let you bench Bob in, oh, and then on. our team name was like a sponsorship. <laughs> that would have been funny. <laughs> and then, kind of going into the water, eight swimmers were sent to compete at the AT&T Winter Nationals in Georgia, six women and two men. Over the three-day event, there were a couple of notable performances. Villanova's 400-meter freestyle women's relay team of Elise Peduti, Darby Goodwin, Taylor Wilson, and Alexa Fabry took home a bronze medal at the meet, finishing in third with a time of 321.49. As for the men's side, Jay Coyne finished the 100-meter butterfly in 48.29 seconds, setting a new school record. He owned the old record, beating it by nearly half a second. He almost had another one, finishing the 50-meter freestyle in 20.75 seconds, but unfortunately he finished .08 shy of the school record. That's like, that's like just as close as that like Michael Phelps versus that French guy finish. Back in 08. That's, oh, yeah. slim, that's a slim margin, my friend. Yeah, like a fingernail. Yeah. Like like his hand was longer. Like he just had a bigger hand. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, don't cut your nails next time. Let them grow out a little bit and gain, gain a few seconds. Based on number of finishing times, just looking through who did what, while the Wildcats might have not finished on the podium for all the events, their times were certainly ahead of finishing times that we've seen around the Big East so far this season. So maybe we can pencil them in for another Big East title? Uh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. I, I don't know. I kind of I feel like when it comes to swimming, it's, it's kind of Villanova and everybody else. I, I, I don't know. Do, do you have any other insight on that? I, I, I really don't know anyone else in the Big East that could potentially knock them off. Yeah, I mean, our women's team has won it for like the last three or four years. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a dynasty right now. And our men's team is looking like it's turning it around. I mean, you have guys like Hoyne breaking school records, so that's promising. The men's team is, has been behind the women's team, but it looks like they're starting to reverse that a little bit, or at least kind of even it out. Yeah. I, any, I, yeah, any any type of improvement's good. Yeah, this Hoyne kid seems to really know what's going on. <laughs> Potential uh, Big East swimmer of the year? Is, is that a thing? That is the thing, but that is also a hashtag hot take. Oh, oh is it a hot take? I'm sorry. Oh. Or it's a it's a bold prediction. Oh, oh no. We'll go with bold prediction. Okay, I'm sorry. Hot takes hot takes are too ridiculous. That 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 wasn't too ridiculous. Okay, all right. Lastly, you know I'm a big 2K aficionado. Um, I, I me and you both, my friend. Oh yeah, you get updates of my team <laughs> or how my guys are doing. <laughs> I thought we were gonna avoid that. Oh no, we are. We are. Okay, good, good. I don't. No one wants to hear about how 
I'm bringing back the Seattle Sonics. No one wants to hear any of that. No. But I think everyone would like to hear this because Daniel Ochefu's in the game. And we got to bring him on here one time. We got to ask him, how does it feel to be in the NBA? And how, to, how does it feel to be on a video game you played for years? But anyway, Ochefu and his Washington Wizards, they got in the most recent roster update, he received a friendly badge. Now, they give badges to players to kind of highlight their key attributes, like catch and shoot, lockdown defender, you know, whatever they're good at, whatever they're highlighted for, they get a badge for that, and it just makes them better. Now, Chefu has one and only badge, and it's friendly, meaning he's a well-liked player, <laughs> he's a nice guy, and everyone likes him, he's a fan favorite. It is first and only badge in the game. Chris, what is your favorite Daniel Ochefu memory? One off the, give me one off the court, and give me one on the court. Um, oh, or just just before I get to that, what's what's his overall rating? Do we know? Uh, uh, it's a uh, sixty-five. Okay, on to the favorite memories. Uh, off the court, I have to say my favorite memory of him, I wasn't even there for. It is just a story that will forever live in um, our group's uh, lore when apparently Tom Shea was walking. Or was it with you? I, I don't remember. I think it was with you. And you guys were walking back from playing basketball or something, and Chef's on one side of the sidewalk, Tom Shea's on the other. And then Tom, Chef just stops everything and turns around to Tom and says, Tom, do the clap. <laughs> And then Tom Shea just drops whatever he has in his hands, does does his famous clap and drop the basketball. <laughs> it almost rolled into the street. I had to save it. Yeah. <laughs> just just picturing that. Tom, do the clap. And then just Tom Shea just dropping everything to to do it. Uh is definitely uh my favorite off the court memory. <laughs> and I wasn't even there and I didn't even know you guys. And by the time that by the time that event happened, I can uh, confirm that was a true story. It was like the first or second week of freshman year. <laughs> Tom Shea, this was before SNN. This was before Bob dot com. This was before all that, and somehow we we're all brought together by that. <laughs> oh god! I, I, yeah, jeez. And then and, on and the also, court. Oh, and also for context, the clap is this. I, I don't know how. I can't even do it. I can't even do it. I can't. I've never seen anyone else who can. But basically, Tom can <laughs> clap his hands behind his head at Extreme. this astonishing sonic boom. He produces a sonic boom <laughs> of noise. It's louder than a normal clap. It's more efficient. It's more powerful. It, it's a marvel. Yeah. Okay, just ask him to do the clap and he'll do it for you. Yeah. It 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 really takes you back a little bit once you first bow it. You're like, whoa. Um It's I've, definitely I've actually, strange. It, it's hilarious. I've tried to mimic it. I've I've been able to mimic it, but not with the same enthusiasm or funniness or, or force. I've done it at some sporting events and it's just I just been looked at weird. Um yeah, I, I definitely thought it was weird at first, but then you grow to appreciate it for the marvel that it is. Yeah, and especially now that we, we've graduated and have not seen it in a while. You, you wish you can see it just one more time. Um, <laughs> and then on the court memory, I don't know. I, I can't even think of one right now. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd have this, it's just, just one thing that's popped in my head right now. His dunk against Miami, the, the put-away dunk, like after we broke a press and it was basically just the seal that Miami game. I don't know. That was just really cool. Just to see him get up and hyped and like that. I, I, I don't, uh, I, I think it was with like two minutes remaining. I don't know. But from my view, uh, view in the press box, it was, it was just so cool. And that's when I kind of knew that this team was last year's team was uh, magical. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. I tweeted about that and I said, this is definitely the exclamation point and the finish yeah. thing right here. Yeah. I actually remember you tweeting that out. <laughs> so my favorite on-the-court memory of Chef, just to show how friendly of a guy he is, 4.7 seconds left. What is he doing? He's mopping the floor. Have you ever seen a basketball <laughs> player take the little mop from the little kid and mop the floor? 
No. Not only that, <laughs> it wasn't for no reason, and it wasn't just to be nice. Yes, it was nice, but it was actually for strategic purposes. After the game, he said he didn't want Ryan to slip because he knew the play was going right that right through that stretch or that piece of court. Like, he knew it was coming that way. He needed to make sure it was extra dry. Oh. And it was just a great scene. You just see this 6'11 mammoth handle this tiny mop, and he's just mopping away. <laughs> yeah. It was just great. I completely forgot about that. Call me call me a, a non, non-nationer, but I honestly just completely <laughs> forgot that it happened. It's one of those things that you're like, wow, that that that's why that. <laughs> I remember at the time um, it being a big deal, but now it just kind of, I don't know, Kind of faded from memory. Great, great pick, by the way. <laughs> oh, you're gonna love my off the court pick. Oh, so oh, we were no. both there. Now <laughs> we were all there, and this was for a friend's twenty first birthday. We were all legal adults. We were all at this gathering at a friend's apartment. Mm-hmm. Chef included was at this gathering. Mm-hmm. There were adult beverages, mm-hmm. but there was also a game. There was a specific game. In which you take ping pong balls and you throw it into plastic cups on the opposite end of the table. Oh my god. Now one team, there was Chef. <laughs> chef was being so nice. He was like, I'm not gonna stand. I'm gonna sit down so it's fair and even. <laughs> what a nice guy. Right. What a friendly guy. Yeah. Basically every shot it's would be even, a dunk. Even the court. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, either way, yeah, if he just stood up, he would have just dunked it right through and just break the whole table. But yeah. no, he sat down, made it nice and even, we had a fun time. And it was a great time at this gathering Yeah, of all legal adults. Yes. And if I remember correctly, me and Tom Shea played Daniel and Chefu. Yes. Yes, you were on the Yeah, it was, it was senior year. Yeah. And uh, I knocked a cup over <laughs> going to block a bounce. <laughs> I felt so little. <laughs> Chef just probably thinks I'm an idiot from now on, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My other favorite off the court, this was a tiebreaker, or it was between this one, was right after graduation, I saw him, and, you know, we were just kind of talking about the beverage selection at the reception, and he was like, yeah, you know, I can finally relax now. Finally take <laughs> it easy. And the second he says that, five girls just come up to him asking him for a picture. <laughs> Because he's a nice, friendly guy. That's right. I remember you telling me about that. That's per- that's funny. Poor chef, but not poor chef in- at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that was in Washington, and he's on two K. It's awesome. This is just great. I feel I'm so happy for him. Yeah, me too. Seeing him develop over the past four years was was pretty satisfying. Being a completely raw talent freshman year, kind of looking like a chicken out of head, and to developing into probably the one of the best big men in the Big East, if not the best. Oh yeah, that yeah, that growth from freshman year defensive only chef to what he became mm-hmm. by the end of his senior year, well rounded, was great development. Yeah. And a testament to Jay's coaching. Uh bingo. He was one of those guys I think he just picked them out. He knew he was uh the type of guy he needed to uh round out. Uh he was gonna be a senior. Uh he knew he was gonna stay all four years and he wanted him to become the player he wanted him to be. And that was a dominating force inside. <laughs> Now we got some mail. Mail time? Mail time. Woo-hoo. It's mail time. First question. Tim Mason, he wants to know, with Franti as Nova's head coach, will the football team ever move up to FBS? Um, Tim, what if I told you that it's not the coach's decision? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would love to see this team move up to the FBS, but we just know it's not going to happen. We, it, it's just, it doesn't matter who's coach. It's just it's all the outside forces that just prevent them. Um, cough, cough, Radner, cough, cough. Yeah, I think even if you put aside the Radner roadblocks, <laughs> I still don't think, and it really isn't a coach's decision. It really is up to the administration. And as much more as Mark Jackson enjoys football, we're not gonna, you know, we can't upgrade our stadium if we can't fill it. And unfortunately, I don't think there's just much interest for an FBS program. As awesome as it would be to watch, I mean, I would love to see Nova possibly playing a bowl game. Like, that'd be pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're very content with the FCS. 
If you ask Tally about it, or if you ask Ferranti, I think they'll say pretty much the same thing. Yeah, it's the question on if you really want to be a big boy in the F- FCS or just kind of be a doormat in the F. In the, uh, I'm sorry, you want to be a big boy in the FCS or you want to be a doormat in the FPS. Yeah, for know. at least like a decade, at least. Yeah, yeah it's going to be tough. And uh, especially now that Penn State's good again, all those Pennsylvania recruits are probably going to be going there. So, uh, yeah, let's stay where we're at. We're, we're enjoying it. I know it sucks that it's not, you know, the big boys, but, you know, you take it. You're a good team. So, Next one from Chris Moriarty. Who's on your high school recruit Christmas list with one open spot left? Is 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 who, is who I am thinking of still available? Oh, he's still available. The Mo, West Town boy. Yeah, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba, Mo Bamba. <laughs> that, that is it. <laughs> you know that uh, Coach K, the entire Penn State coaching staff, and Jay Wright and his coaching staff was there last weekend to watch. Last weekend. Oh, really? Jay was there. Jay was there, but I really hope he was looking at Mo Bamba and not some other guard. Yeah, I was about to say, oh my god, this means we're still in on him. I thought we were dead for rights. Oh, this is awesome. (laughs) Him and Reddish are the last two uncommitted of the West Town boys, of the notable recruits. Oh, oh wow. Jeez. Well, Reddish is a year younger, right? So we still got time. Yeah, Reddish is a year younger, so there's a lot of time. Okay. Okay. Um, Yeah, Mo Bamba. That, that... That's it. Just look up Mo Bamba. He goes to a private school that has tuition just as much as Nova and balls just as hard as Nova. <laughs> and just look up his highlight tape. The guy is a beast. He's like 6'11". He's a center. He probably has a wingspan of like 8 feet. And mm-hmm. he can shoot threes. He can block. He's a blocking monster. Put back machine. He's great. A couple other names I'd look for if we don't get Mo Bamba. If that's still a possibility. Nova's in the hunt for a wing. Jordan Tucker, he's from New York. I've gotten to see him play a couple of times. He goes to school about like 20 minutes away from me. Or he used to. He transferred out. But Nova and Indiana, he's narrowed it down to his last two schools. Tucker, it's between us and Indiana. Yeah, Tucker is between us and Indiana. Really? I kind of thought we were quiet on the the western front there with the recruiting. I thought it was Samuels and Cosby Roundtree and that was it. All right, that's that's some exciting news right there. Thank you for tuning in, subscribing to State of the Nova Nation on iTunes. Please check out our website, viewbenchmob.com, for some news and updates on all things Villanova Athletics. Follow us on the Twitter sphere, at ViewBenchMob. You can follow me, Eugene Repay, on my own personal Twitter, at eRepay5. And you can follow me, Chris Danziel, on my Twitter, at TheStandsMan. Nova Nation. Happy Tuesday, and always remember, we're number one.